Well, welcome to this month's Ask Your Herb Doctor. My name is Andrew Murray. My name is Sarah Johannesson Murray. For those of you who perhaps have never listened to our shows, which run every third Friday of the month from 7 to 8 p.m., we are both licensed medical herbalists who trained in England and graduated there with a degree in herbal medicine. We run a clinic in Garberville where we consult with clients about a wide range of conditions and we manufacture all our own certified organic herbal extracts which are either grown on our CCOF certified herb farm or which are sourced from other certified organic suppliers. You're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garberville 91.1 FM and from 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock you're invited to call in with any questions either related or unrelated to this month's topic. Uh, the number here, if you live in the area, is 923-3911, or if you live outside the area, the toll-free number is 1-800-568-3723. Uh, we can also be reached toll-free on 1-888-WBM-HERB for further questions during normal business hours, Monday through Friday. So this month, uh, we're very pleased to welcome Dr. Ray Pete onto this live show. Um, I know... Um, our, our listeners are keen uh, to hear what 40 years of experience has revealed uh, concerning areas of your expertise, Dr. Pete, in progesterone and related hormones and how physiological differences can be made in one's health by relatively simple dietary changes, along with, in some cases, alternative treatments, and particularly, in some cases, the addition of thyroid hormone supplementation. So, Dr. Pete, thank you for being our guest speaker this month. Yes. Hello. Hi. Um, for those listeners uh, who are perhaps not familiar with you, Dr. Pete, could you just outline your academic and your uh, professional career? Oh, um, first I w- was uh, studying the humanities, literature, linguistics, and uh, I worked on master's degrees in several departments, and it was about 12 years in which I um, taught humanities uh, and uh, worked at several universities before I went back to graduate school to work in biology. And uh, that I had been interested in biology <clears throat> all through the 1950s and 60s, but I considered the <clears throat> dogmatism to be uh, more than I wanted to deal with. Mm-hmm. But after going through five or six other graduate departments, uh, I learned that uh, just keeping your mouth shut, <laughs> uh, you can get through just about any department if you don't ask questions and and challenge people. Right. Okay. All right. Well, um, perhaps then to start, I know uh, we've mentioned uh, on previous shows in the last, uh, last month and the month before that, I know we've mentioned the uh, importance of uh, thyroid. Uh, perhaps um, would you explain the physiological importance of a correctly uh, functioning thyroid to our listeners and uh, what symptoms uh, would be experienced by a person with a low thyroid state? Um, all of the higher animals require thyroid uh, to survive and to differentiate. Um, Without any thyroid function, we would just be basically like a fungus. And uh, the brain is the organ that's most responsive to the thyroid hormone, and it's the one that uses the most oxygen and burns fuel at the highest rate. And um, all of the oxidative processes that are required for uh, high uh, 
the functioning of any organ. Uh, all of that depends on the thyroid hormone. So the really the difference between us and a bacterium or a fungus is the thyroid largely. Hmm. So it's really a, a master controller. Yeah, it's the master gland, and it even is more basic than the pituitary, which they often call the master hormone. Okay. Because the thyroid hormone will affect the pituitary function, correct? uh, Yeah, the pituitary depends on the metabolism of the brain and gets signals from the whole body, but um, the thyroid is what's regulating the brain and uh, what governs the signals that the other cells send out. So if a person's um, brain isn't utilizing oxygen efficiently, then their thyroid, that's probably because of their thyroid gland, and then their pituitary won't operate correctly. Do I understand this? Uh, yeah, and the the thyroid keeps the energy of all cells up and makes them ready to work. But uh, a lot of people have thought of the thyroid as an exciting uh, hormone uh, they have heard that it'll make them burn calories faster and lose weight and so on. And so they think of it as similar to uh, speed or adrenaline, hmm. but actually it works in the opposite direction. People who are low in thyroid usually have defective sleep, often insomnia. And uh, taking the right amount of thyroid uh, can bring on deep sleep uh, in an insomniac, uh, sometimes just in a few minutes. And is that because it helps balance the adrenaline and Uh, lower the adrenaline levels? Gradually, over a period of days, it will lower a person's adrenaline, sometimes uh, 40-fold down to a normal or low level. And at the same time, it's raising the cell's stores of energy and uh, letting the cell get into its readiness, relaxed condition. Uh, when you have a cramp in a muscle, often uh, that's because the energy is depleted and low thyroid people tend to get muscle cramps very easily. Yes, I have um, several clients who have calf cramps and they think it's due down to them being hypothyroid. Uh, Yeah, and one of the old, very meaningful tests for hypothyroidism is to have a person kneel on a chair and thump the Achilles tendon. And rather than looking for the extent of the reflex, you look for the speed of the relaxation. Right. Because to relax, the muscle has to restore its energy and get ready for another twitch. And the brain and all other organs are the same way. When the energy is down, it can't relax. It has to build up energy uh, to get into the relaxed condition. Okay. Perhaps would you um, um, explain then the uh, the adrenal fatigue syndrome of uh, um, something that's fairly related to that? If we're talking about people who are um, over um, sped up, if you like, over uh, sympathetically. St- stimulated um, by a low thyroid uh, compensating or trying to compensate with adrenaline, how the uh, adrenal glands um, can become 
very tired out after. after. Uh, one of the ways um, that you can measure a low thyroid is to um, measure either the urine adrenaline breakdown products or the blood adrenaline. Okay. And it'll often be 20, 30, 40 times higher than normal in a hypothyroid person. And that's because adrenaline is the emergency compensation for low energy. Right. And when the adrenaline is high, it um, tries to bring um, the, the energy back to normal. And at first, draws glucose out of the liver. And uh, so if you're low thyroid, you tend to deplete your glucose stores. Mm -hmm. And when those are gone, your adrenaline goes even higher and starts pulling fats out of storage. And the fats poison your ability to burn the glucose and create a diabetes-like condition. But the um, when your thyroid is low, you tend to um, run out of sugar stores more easily, and so you are more likely to be in the high adrenaline and uh, high fatty acid uh, condition. And when the uh, fatty acids aren't providing adequate energy, then you resort to producing cortisone, mm -hmm. and the cortisone usually follows just a few minutes after the surge of adrenaline the cortisone starts breaking down your tissues. Muscles in, are the first to go. Uh, the thymus uh, is dissolved sometimes in just a few hours with high cortisone. And the breaking down of your tissues provides sugar to um, help you uh, restore energy. So hmm. the cortisone should be just a very quick, instantaneous reaction. Um, otherwise, it starts um, destroying all of your essential uh, organs. Right. This would be the uh, classic kind of wasting of a, um, a hyperactive or sympathetically stimulated or overstimulated person. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen several uh, very hypothyroid men who, no matter how much they ate, <laughs> couldn't put on weight. Yeah. People yeah. who weighed 130, 135 pounds were very frail-looking. When they uh, took thyroid, they didn't have to eat so much, but they could suddenly put on muscle because right. their cortisone went down. Right, exactly. And that, at the same time that your adrenaline is driving your adrenal glands to produce more cortisone, your adrenals need the thyroid hormone to convert cholesterol into cortisone. And so the low thyroid person, well, the, the destruction of your muscles to turn them into food liberates tryptophan and cysteine mm -hmm. amino acids, right. which are signals to turn your thyroid down so that you don't totally destroy yourself in the first two days. Right. <laughs> so it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. So uh, the stress turns your thyroid down. And when your thyroid is low, then you can't convert cholesterol into cortisone. And that's what is called adrenal failure, but right. it's really thyroid failure. Right. Right. And is this why also people that have high blood pressure, sometimes low thyroid people can end up with high blood pressure because they have too much adrenaline? Yeah, you can find dozens of articles in, in PubMed uh, showing that high blood pressure 
those with hypothyroidism, and uh, very quickly you can usually lower the blood pressure by correcting the thyroid. And this is uh, contrary to popular opinion. When you think of thyroid, people think, oh, it's a stimulant. It's going to raise your blood pressure. It's going to give you heart palpitations and all these yeah. adverse effects. But in, uh, in reality, you're saying that if people don't have enough thyroid, their body will start overcompensating with adrenaline, and the adrenaline is what gives you all those stimulatory effects. Yes, and the adrenaline and lack of energy uh, increases the tendency of the blood to clot and for the red cells to uh, become rigid so that they don't go through the, the capillaries very easily. And uh, so the blood is thicker and harder to pump, and that, that tends to cause uh, high blood pressure and uh, heart problems such as rhythm problems. Mm. And even an increase of um, possibility of a stroke, correct? Yes. And the meanwhile, since you aren't able to produce the anti-stress hormones when your thyroid is low, the cholesterol, instead of being turned into protective or anti-stress hormones, uh, the cholesterol simply rises in an attempt to compensate for the lack of protective hormones. And that's why people with low thyroid have a high cholesterol. Yes, it's a mirror image of your metabolic rate. Uh, that's been known since the 1930s that if you take out a person's thyroid, the cholesterol zooms up. And uh, if you give them a supplement, the cholesterol comes down in just a matter of a few days. Right. Well, and uh, the um, longevity and uh, intelligence and uh, resistance to cancer and so on are assisted by the high cholesterol. So lowering cholesterol without correcting your thyroid is exactly the wrong thing mm -hmm. to do. And that's what the statin drugs aim to do, correct? Um, yeah. And the... Um, when you force your cholesterol down, you're unable to make uh, progesterone and uh, pregnenolone and DHEA and the whole mm. range of protective steroids. And there was a, a recent study that came out, a Harvard study, I think, that actually proved that uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, cholesterol less than 200 uh, was actually likely to cause more cardiovascular accidents than cholesterol of uh, 230, say. What's your opinion on the uh, reference range being uh, less than 200? The Framingham study showed that people over 50 are much more likely to have dementia if they have less than 200 cholesterol. And uh, there are several indicators that 260 or 270 is the best uh, yeah. for longevity and resistance to cancer. <laughs> What is your view, Dr. Pete, on why so many Americans seem to be low thyroid? Is it radiation, pesticides, fungicides, herbicides? Um, more than that, it started uh, back in the 30s or earlier. Um, already the um, food industry was starting to convince people to use uh, vegetable oil, uh, synthetic butter, and uh, synthetic cooking oils made out of uh, cottonseed oil was one of the first uh, to use for margarine. Mm -hmm. um, and in the 1930s, uh, George Kreil and his wife did surveys around the world of 
people's oxygen consumption and thyroid function. And he showed that in almost every other country, except where they uh, have a high incidence of tuberculosis, cancer, and heart disease, in the relatively healthy populations, people averaged uh, about 25% higher metabolic rates than Americans. And uh, they didn't offer a theory of why Americans were hypometabolic, but it was pretty well established that 40% of Americans benefited from taking a thyroid supplement, and they were the ones with the high cholesterol and low metabolic rate. Uh, it's probably the um, grain-centered diet, uh, because in the Yucatan and in Alaska, among the Eskimos, uh, the people had higher metabolic rates, and those are cultures that are not bread-centered. Right, so they were, you're saying that the Eskimos who ate lots of saturated fats and didn't have the fields to grow the grains, they had a better utilization of oxygen? Um, yeah, but the Americans, with their bread and uh, other uh, starchy foods, tended to eat only the muscle meats, where the, in the more primitive, less affluent cultures, such as Yucatan and, and uh, the Eskimos, they economize and eat the whole animal, the brain, the thyroid glands, and the blood, and feet, and uh, skin. Everything is used. So you're and saying they have a more balanced ratio of the proteins, not just the muscle meat like we eat in America, just, yeah, the just muscle, muscle meat. Muscle meat is very powerful at suppressing the thyroid because that's its function when, when we resort to cortisone, we destroy our muscles, and so it's um, the muscle uh, dissolution coming into the bloodstream that suppresses the thyroid. And so when you eat a simple steak or hamburger, your body can't tell the difference uh, between stress or eating simple meat. Uh, it suppresses your thyroid because of the imbalance of amino acids. So what can people do when they, if they are meat eaters or if they aren't meat eater, eat eaters, to eat a protein that isn't going to be suppressing their thyroid? Uh, the balanced proteins um, are, if, if you stew a chicken, for example, and skim off the fat after it has cooked the meat loose from the bones, you will get gelatin out of the skin and bones and connective tissues, uh, which will be about half of the protein of the whole chicken. Mm. And that would be what the primitive uh, cultures were eating every day, uh, a perfectly balanced uh, set of amino acids. And you can approximate that by eating uh, shellfish, shrimps, and oysters and such things where you eat the whole body of the animal. Mm -hmm. And uh, milk and cheese are um, pretty uh, good for the protein balance. They... Uh, the uh, cheese is slightly better than than milk uh, because the milk is designed for a growing individual and the uh, tryptophan happens to be a, a growth stimulant and once you're uh, full-sized and adult, you don't need 
very much of the tryptophan and cysteine. Hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm wondering, um, <coughs> excuse me, every now and again, um, it's a little difficult to hear you. I don't know if you're speaking into uh, the telephone uh, directly or if you're on a, a speakerphone. Um, I just sometimes I hear you much more clearly than other times. Okay, I'll, I'll yeah. get closer. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. But perhaps I wonder, um, for some people, um, how they would understand this best. Would you just explain the... Uh, the, the methodology of testing thyroid function and why perhaps so many people fall through the cracks? Um, in the 1940s, when uh, the um, drug industry was really getting economically important after the, after the Second World War, uh, a new type of uh, thyroid hormone was synthesized containing only T4 and Around that same time, a, a blood test came on the market which measured iodine bound to protein, and they assumed that it was the same as the synthetic uh, hormone which they were promoting as a supplement in place of natural thyroid glandular material. And uh, the synthetic hormone was tested only on young men who are the least likely <laughs> to uh, have a hormone problem. Okay. Uh, but the um, range of people showing a deficiency of uh, protein-bound iodine, uh, since they thought they were measuring the thyroid hormone when they measured the iodine mm -hmm. carried on a blood protein, they found that only 5% of the population uh, had low protein-bound iodine. And that went through the culture to sell the test. They said, uh, this is the scientific measure of the thyroid hormone. And they convinced doctors that 95% of the population didn't need thyroid, even though the symptoms established up to about 1940 showed that everyone with uh, those that cluster of symptoms, dry skin, falling hair, constipation, insomnia, uh, lethargy, and so on, um, benefited from taking thyroid. They were no longer given thyroid because of this idea mm -hmm. that only 5% were uh, deficient in blood iodine. But in the 1960s, it turned out that this protein-bound iodine had almost nothing to do with thyroid function. Right. And uh, it was found that the real thyroid hormone was T3, not thyroxine. Mm -hmm. And um, it's present in a very small amount in the blood. And so it took a very sensitive test to really measure how much T3 was in the blood. And they were able to do that by the late 1960s. But they said that uh, they standardized the new test against the old idea which had been established with a completely meaningless measurement. Uh, Protein-bound iodine didn't measure anything, but the new test was standardized according to this meaningless 95% normal. Uh -huh. So now it doesn't matter uh, how accurate your test is, and if you're really measuring the right substance, uh, if you keep the idea that 
statistically only 5% are hypothyroid, uh, then you're not going to be treating the people who need it. Mm, absolutely. Okay, I think this is probably a very good uh, time to lead on to um, the same the same finding, as it were, um, things being uh, set 50, 60 years ago uh, as being fact and not being challenged until relatively recently. And I think the one of, one of the most, yeah, it's probably going to be controversial and shocking to a lot of people, but we have talked about it before in the past, the whole controversy um, of polyunsaturated fats, the... Uh, um, the uh, fats that are good for your heart, cholest- you know, good for your uh, cardiovascular system and good for your heart uh, versus the saturated fat uh, of our ancestors using lard, cooking with beef fat, etc., um, being bad for you and heart, uh, heart destructive or, or bad for your heart. Um, how do you... Uh well, it, this really started with the paint and plastics industry learning how to make uh, paint, varnish, and plastics out of petroleum mm-hmm. were previously fish oil and seed oil, linseed oil in particular, had been the basis of paints, varnishes, and plastics. And linseed is the same as flaxseed, correct? Yes. And the um, petroleum chemists learned how to make paint very cheaply out of petroleum, and so the farmers and the industry that had been producing paint stock had no market and first they um, used some old research which had already been disproved uh, in the 1940s. The um, George and Mildred Burr uh, claimed that unsaturated fats were essential nutrients and uh, in the early 1940s at the University of Texas, uh, people working on the B vitamins showed that what the Burrs had created was a B vitamin deficiency by not feeding their uh, animals a balanced diet. Hmm. And uh, Burr himself uh, demonstrated that animals without the unsaturated fats had an extremely high metabolic rate, about 50% higher than average, uh, sort of like the Yucatan or, or Eskimo people relative to Americans. Mm-hmm. And um, even though Burr demonstrated that uh, his fats lowered metabolic requirements, it apparently didn't occur to him that um, maybe the diet he was feeding didn't have enough of some other nutrient. The lab in Texas uh, showed that it was specifically vitamin B6 and zinc, which uh, were deficient in the diet that uh, George and Mildred Burr. And not actually the polyunsaturated oils. No, the polyunsaturated oils were simply suppressing metabolism so that rats didn't need so much food. And the... Um, Pig farmers uh, knew about that, and they applied it by giving the polyunsaturated fats to their pigs to fatten them by suppressing their metabolism so they wouldn't need so much food. So the polyunsaturated fats actually increase your your weight 
uh, increase yeah, your fats while lowering the number yeah. of calories you yeah. need and can burn. Is is it right to uh, is it right to assume that polyunsaturated fatty acids uh, have a um, slowing effect on thyroid function? Uh, yes, the uh, a group of experiments in France showed that they block the secretion of the hormone from the thyroid gland itself, block the transport on proteins in the blood, mm. and block all of the cell's functions uh, in response to the thyroid hormone. So there are three or four very specific places where the polyunsaturated fats right. uh, directly block the function of thyroid. So it's um, good for uh, fattening pigs, but uh, the uh, this research was useful to the industry who uh, didn't care about the health of the pigs or how long they lived, just that they were very cheap to get mm. fat. Right. And can you um, outline for our listeners, please, or list the different types of oils that are in our food chain today that are very high in polyunsaturated fats? Uh, safflower oil, cottonseed oil, corn oil, um, and uh, flax and soy uh, canola isn't quite so bad, but uh, it's still toxic. What about uh, sunflower? Uh, sunflower is pretty bad. And what about fish oils? It's worse. But the good thing about fish oil is that it's so unstable that most of it doesn't survive to reach your bloodstream where it uh, would inhibit your thyroid function. So it breaks down into other compounds which are actually toxic and the first thing you see affected is the immune system uh, the breakdown products of the spontaneously oxidizing fish oil include acrolein which is a carcinogen and ethane which you can measure on the breath after mm-hmm. people eat fish oil um, but all of these or several of these toxic breakdown products are immunosuppressive and so they have an anti-inflammatory effect that, in the short run, uh, makes them seem beneficial. And that's why people who take fish oils say they notice a uh, benefit that they have um, easier joint. Their joints are easier to move, or their skin conditions have resolved. Maybe things like psoriasis that are are an over due to an overactive immune system. Uh, yeah, 50 years ago they used to treat arthritis and psoriasis and other inflammatory conditions with x-rays. And the x-rays worked. You could uh, stop just about any inflammation for a while with x-rays. Wow. <laughs> well, like doctors do today, our dermatologist at school, he told us there's nothing we can do for skin disorders besides steroids. It works, but is that what you want? Do you want to depress your immune system so your skin gets better? Yes. Uh, Steroids aren't as bad as x-rays or polyunsaturated <laughs> fats, but right. the polyunsaturated fats work by exactly the same mechanism that the x-rays do, hmm. uh, creating uh, an immune deficiency, uh, inability to produce inflammation. Right. Now, how about the um, um, the other news that um, these polyunsaturated fats are so unstable and so liable to oxidation because of their unsaturation that um, the adipose tissue in our bodies, uh, just beneath our skin that we all have, 
um, stores. So fat, the fat tissue, adipose tissue is fat tissue. Yeah, that stores the, uh, um, stores the fat. Um, that this product can remain uh, in, in a body for several years, uh, posing, posing direct problems. Yeah, the turnover rate um, between if you totally change your diet from saturated to unsaturated, it takes about four years mm. for the complete uh, change to be reflected in your stores. So okay. you can figure that, yeah. uh, that the average fat molecule is four years old. <laughs> yeah. And if you've ever uh, uh, left your uh, cooking oil or salad oil bottle out of the fridge, for a few days, you've noticed that it gets sticky. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it was at body temperature, that hardening, uh, oxidizing process would be much, much faster. Uh, just at room temperature, I once did an experiment. I think it was uh, uh, corn oil, a, a bottle of, of salad dressing. I put a cork in the top and a small rubber tube uh, down into a cup of water and the water uh, began rising in the tube, uh, showing that mm-hmm. spontaneous oxidation was uh, consuming the oxygen in the bottle, right. pulling water up into the uh-huh. bottle. Uh-huh. Wow. And is this, um, can you comment on, on these oils once they're in our bodies? Are they oxidizing yeah, the, and becoming very sticky? Is this what plaque in the artery is? Or Yeah, uh, that for 30 or 40 years people have been demonstrating that the uh, chemicals in the lining of the artery are identical to age pigment. Hmm. And age pigment is produced in proportion to the unsaturated fats in your diet uh, versus the um, the ratio of unsaturated to saturated fats and the amount of oxidants such as uh, heavy metals in your diet. And uh, the bloodstream is... Uh, constantly oxygenated and your whole body is at a high temperature that yeah. makes it easy to oxidize the unsaturated fats but in the bloodstream every time you draw fats out of your storage they have to circulate through the bloodstream mm-hmm. and so they're exposing the lining of the arteries constantly to uh, free radicals and there's plenty of iron circulating in the blood mm-hmm. which is the catalyst for uh, Starting the oxidation, and the uh, besides breaking down and uh, leaving the residue or age pigment in the arteries, uh, recent experiments have shown that polyunsaturated fats uh, poison a mechanism <clears throat> that normally is causing cholesterol to be taken out of the arteries. So there are several mechanisms by which the polyunsaturated fats increase uh, atherosclerosis, just what the right. food industry <laughs> wanted to, uh, couldn't sell their product for paint, they wanted us to uh, help the pigs consume, consume their product. So it's time to throw out the corn and safflower and sunflower oil and start eating butter and coconut oil, right, Dr. Pete? Yeah. That's it. I mean, so, so often, so often our grand grandparents had it right. Yeah, we keep getting told that the um, the fish oils now, uh, even though it's pretty well established that those seed oils are carcinogenic and cause heart disease, mm-hmm. 
they've shifted over to say that the real essential fatty acids are the fish oil type, the omega minus three. Okay. And that basically comes from a study of Greenland people that didn't really have any data, but they said there's very little heart disease there and they eat fish, so <laughs> it must be fish oil. Okay. But uh, a more recent study, just two or three years ago, of Alaska uh, Eskimos showed that uh, they eating fish have, um, the ones who eat a lot of fish have no less heart disease than the ones who don't eat fish. And a study on the other side of Canada uh, found that if you look at the amount of uh, omega minus three fats or fish oil in their tissues, the Eskimos' uh, pollution, such as PCBs mm -hmm. and mercury, mm -hmm. right. exactly correspond to the amount of fish oil in their tissues. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Um, well, very briefly for people that may have just um, tuned in, um, it's Ask Your Herb Doctor, KMUD 91.1 FM. Uh, this month, we have a very special guest speaker, Dr. Ray Pete, uh, 40 years of experience uh, teaching in universities and uh, PhD in uh, physiology and biochemistry, have, uh, with very good results, produced um, simple uh, dietary changes uh, have produced very good results rather with people and it's uh, a testament to having you on the program uh, Dr. Pete that we have in fact um, of the last five or six months been implicating uh, or implementing sorry some of your uh, recommendations to clients that we consult with uh, I've actually seen very good results for ourselves so not just uh, reading uh, its actual uh, first-hand witness uh, of what you've recommended that we've uh, um, consulted with other patients or clients rather um, and seen in our own in our own uh, clinic uh, results with people. So very pleased to have you on the show tonight. Um, I wanted to uh, just continue uh, from the next tw 20 minutes. The lines are open now. I do, I do see the lights flashing. So I think there's probably people uh, wanting to ask questions. Um, but uh, if we don't, uh, oh, I think we have <laughs> somebody's right on the line now. So go ahead. You're on the show. Hello. Hi. Hi. Okay, um, there's a couple things I want to ask. Um, one is, um, on a different show, you had talked about how um, cholesterol um, itself was not the problem, but there was something else, histamines, or not, that's not the right word, but yeah. some, some, some histamine or something um, was the culprit because if you had a high or low level of those, the cholesterol would clog the arteries, and if you didn't, the cholesterol wouldn't hurt you. And you said if you took... Uh, at least 500 milligrams of B12 and a certain amount of B6 and something else. Yeah, B, B2. What was it, B2? B2, yeah. Not B6? Uh, there was B6, B12, and B2. Oh, B2. Yeah. And how much of each do you need, uh, the, the minimum amount? I think you said 500 on the B12. Yeah. Well, perhaps, Dr. Pete, um, how do you how do you uh, equate the B vitamin uh, to cholesterol? I know you've already mentioned it actually. So, um, well, the liver um, is constantly detoxifying all the chemicals that you absorb from your intestine. Anything in your bloodstream uh, is processed through the liver, and if you're deficient in thyroid, the liver can't handle the cholesterol or pre fatty acids, 
uh, it, the liver treats the polyunsaturated fats as toxins and uh, uh, destroys them, causes them to be excreted. Uh, the cholesterol is recycled and uh, used for making uh, the digestive bile acids or um, reused uh, for making steroid hormones and such. But the liver can't process these things uh, without adequate protein and B vitamins. Uh, thiamine B1 is uh, one of the essentials uh, for making the liver work efficiently. And uh, a low thyroid function makes it impossible to use these B vitamins and protein. And so the liver, uh, for any of these deficiencies, will fail to detoxify and allow estrogen to accumulate. The estrogen uh, activates the mobilization of free fatty acids, uh, exposes your arteries to more oxidative uh, damage while suppressing your thyroid function and creating a vicious circle. Mm. So I usually uh, advocate uh, eating a high natural, uh, naturally rich in vitamin uh, diet, uh, and eggs and liver are uh, probably the richest sources of all of the essential nutrients for liver function. But if you eat too much liver, it can act like too much uh, muscle meat and suppress your thyroid. Uh, too much carotene or vitamin A can also suppress your thyroid. So uh, I recommend lots of liver and eggs in the diet, but only if you're balancing with the right amount of thyroid function so that your liver has all of the uh, factors that it needs to process out the toxins. And how much vitamin um, B12, B6, and B2 do you think a person needs? It varies according to your metabolic rate, like uh, the Burr's uh, experimental rats. If they were eating a lot of unsaturated fat, had very low metabolic requirements, so well, let's they, say if you're not really into the... Uh, is, so is it okay to eat butter? Is it better to eat butter than you're saying? Oh, very good. Yeah, butter and coconut oil. What about good. olive oil? It's not as good as butter. Uh, and why do you say butter is good for you? When so many people say it's bad for you. Well, uh, for example, uh, people have demonstrated that the polyunsaturated fats are what cause alcoholics to get cirrhosis and hepatitis. Uh, it isn't the... Uh, the alcohol, these researchers, uh, Nanji's group at several universities in recent years is showing that he can cure uh, liver disease caused by polyunsaturated fats by adding butter and uh, other saturated fats to the diet. Well, what about the glop in, the, in your arteries that you don't want? How do you get rid well, of that? That's caused by the vegetable oils primarily. Now, are you saying that omega-3s are not good for you? Yes, they're not. But we've been told that they're so good for you, and they're supposed to be good for your brain and, and antioxidant and good for your... Uh... Well, uh, Alzheimer's disease is um, now definitely associated with inflammatory processes and free radical oxidative processes, which uh, are supported by the polyunsaturated fats. And so is omega-3 a polyunsaturate? Yes. Well, then why do they say it's so important to have it in your diet? Well, they have to sell their products. Uh, they were saying the same thing about 
safflower oil and cottonseed oil for about 50 years. Those were the essential oils, and you should eat a cupful a day. Well, it does seem to make the arthritis in my knee better. Well, it's it's anti-inflammatory, but those are the oxidized breakdown products that suppress your immune system. And at the same time, they suppress inflammation. They also suppress your ability to uh, stop infections or to stop the spread of a tumor if there is oh. one. Well, then how, so you're saying that, that omega-3s will depress my immune system? Yes, that's a very this, quick. This has been proven in um, several studies. It's what, How I like to look at the situation is what did your ancestors eat? Did they eat processed fish oil that they had to have all these fancy machinery and vacuum sealers and everything to put this fish oil in a capsule, or did they just eat some fish occasionally? Uh, when when a person, some of the studies that saw fish eaters were healthy, they had the product, the refined fish oil, that they wanted to sell, so they said, oh, this is why the fish eaters are healthy. But the fish also are one of the best sources of selenium, other trace mm-hmm. minerals, vitamin A, vitamin K, uh, vitamin D. All of these are tending to be risk factors for the chronic degenerative diseases if you're deficient in them. Mm-hmm. So uh, ocean fish are a very good source of the nutrients, but you want to eat the ones with the least fat because right. the fat is the, right. their worst component and the most likely to contain PCBs. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. And also, you're, you, I think you've commented before that you want to eat the smaller fish because they're, they have less of the heavy metals. Yeah, they haven't collected so many uh, metals such as mercury. Can I ask you, Dr. Wheat, for our listeners, how many times a week would you suggest eating eggs or how many eggs a week or liver or the shellfish or well, fish? Uh, you can eat as many eggs as you want if they're well-fed chickens, but they feed most chickens now are the same thing they feed pigs, right. uh, a lot of corn and soy. So I currently, for Americans, I advocate only one or two eggs a day because of the polyunsaturated fats. But if you have a farm and can get your own uh, chicken feed, let them eat bugs and whatever, whatever they find, grass sprouts and so on. Well, what would you feed? Um, I raise chickens and ducks myself, and what would you feed your animals? What oh, uh, would you feed them? Uh, my, my friends in Mexico feed them lots of stale tortillas and uh, <laughs> uh, table scraps. <laughs> uh, I mean, they will eat most things, won't they? Well, what about just buying bird seed? Well, uh, a mixed diet is better. Uh, sprouts, chickens love sprouts, and uh, the sprout doesn't have as much fat as Use animal fat, beef, beef trimmings, and so on. Okay, thank you for that, Dr. Pete. We have another caller. Hello. I think there's another caller. There was another caller on the line. I know the lights are flashing. Hello. Hello. Hi, Andrew. Yes. Hi, this is Rosa. Hey, Rosa. Um, I was curious to hear what Ray Pete, Ray Pete thinks about the um, Ayurvedic oil change. I found it very interesting that he says it takes four years to change out the fatty acid composition of your cells. Mm-hmm. 
And would doing, you know, an oil change where you're actually, like, drinking a lot of oil uh, speed up the changeover? Uh, Dr. Pete? Dr. Pete, are you there? Huh. You seem oh, to have, dear. You seem to have lost Dr. Pete. Uh, we'll see if the engineer can... Uh, the engineer's just stepped away from his desk. Uh, the phones are going crazy, but... Um, That's a very good question to ask um, Dr. Pete. Is uh, is Dr. Pete still there? Hello? And I can't hear you either. Hello? Uh, Hello? Hello? Hi. You're on on the air. Yes. um, I uh, got cut off. Just about the time the engineer stepped away from the phones, um, I had a question for Dr. Pete. I have Hashimoto's disease, which is a disease of the thyroid, and uh, I've been on 175 micrograms of uh, thyroid since 1976, although it goes up and down as Hashimoto's does. And I would dearly love to find somebody who knows what the heck is going on because MDs are not doing me any good. I completely understand, and Dr. Pete has offered to consult with clients through either Andrew or myself, we can consult with Dr. P on your behalf. That would be wonderful. And at the end of the show, we will announce um, the telephone number to call, and then okay. Dr. P has, is willing to consult with clients. Also, um, could you spell his name, and uh, could sure. you tell me of any books he may have written on? Yeah. Yes, he has written several books, and he has a website, and we will also give that information out wonderful. at the end of the show. Okay. Oh, and... Uh, he says butter, coconut oil, and what did he say about olive oil? Uh, in moderation. Yeah, in moderation. It's got 10% of the polyunsaturated fats on average, and so a teaspoon or two per day isn't enough to hurt. Okay, because I've only been using olive oil and occasionally sesame oil. I had high cholesterol, 330, and I thought I'd better bring it down, but I've been using plant sterols. Um, cholesterol is is very good for a person um, if you take I'm out a, that. <laughs> if you take an adrenal gland or an ovary and uh, run blood into it, the amount of progesterone coming out the other side mm-hmm. uh, is directly proportional to the amount of cholesterol in the blood. Ah, and that depends on vitamin A and thyroid to be converted, and so. When a person takes thyroid and sees their cholesterol quickly coming down, that's because they're making the defensive hormones like pregnenolone and progesterone. Right. Okay. And, Dr. we had another question for you. Um, someone called in earlier and asked if, because you said it takes four years for these oils to convert over, if you have been eating polyunsaturated and you start you stop eating polyunsaturated oils and you start eating only butter and coconut very saturated oils yeah you only see a, a big problem in someone who's very fat uh, they'll take thyroid or uh, use coconut oil which can boost your thyroid while it's in your bloodstream but as soon as your blood sugar falls and you draw fats out of storage then your thyroid is suppressed again Right. So, so if you eat an excessive amount of oil, does this speed up the change? Well, uh, one uh, a lawyer who weighed over 300 pounds thought he would lose weight in a hurry, so he drank a cup of coconut oil, Ooh. and <laughs> he said he really believed he might uh, 
explode or <laughs> she had a hot start on fire because he was so hot for uh-huh. about an hour. <laughs> so you don't want to take more than about a tablespoon at once because it. Um, you can notice your heart rate goes up, and you breathe harder and get pinker yeah. uh, for about 30 minutes to an hour after you take a tablespoonful. Would, uh, Dr. Pete, would you, uh, would you be able to suggest any uh, safe way of, um, I don't know how to call it, dieting in terms of uh, replacing your polyunsaturated stores with your saturated uh, diets? Is there any way to actually increase that change, or you just have to wait four oh, years? Uh, well, just uh, taking a little bit of coconut oil at a time, uh, it depends on your body weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I added just a tablespoon uh, per day and uh, lost a pound a week and stabilized 12 pounds lower. There you go. Uh, and uh, people who are fatter um, might use a little more or they might need a thyroid supplement to uh, fill in when they're not using the, thyroid, the uh, coconut oil. Mm. I had another question, uh, Dr. P. I know you'd um, talked uh, 15 or 20 minutes ago um, when you were mentioning liver for that one uh, person who phoned with the cholesterol question, um, and you mentioned the uh, B vitamins and also the um, um, well, the supply of these B vitamins, especially in liver. Um, would you have any advice for hepatitis patients and how thyroid hormone for them and or other uh, information would be useful? Um, yeah, um Having a, a doctor who understands thyroid is, is convenient, and uh, Mary Showman's website has a list of doctors in all over the country uh, with patients' comments on what experience they've had uh, with the thyroid uh, prescribing doctors. And uh, I've seen people with terminal cirrhosis uh, who, after six months of using uh, saturated fat, uh, thyroid, and in some cases progesterone. Uh, the doctors saw no evidence of cirrhosis left, even though their liver had been very enlarged and rubbery. It was normal after six or eight months. Fantastic. That's incredible. Well, it is four minutes to eight, um, so I think we should probably better start to wrap the show up right now and give out information for uh, people who've uh, listened to this show. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show, Dr. Pete. Thank you very much for joining us. Okay. And you. how many books have you written, Dr. Pete? I, well, published uh, four or five, I guess. And they are available um, to buy on your website, is that correct? Yeah, you can uh, see a description of them on the website. And Dr. Pete's website is www.raypeat.com, and that's spelt R-A-Y-P-E-A-T.com. And like I mentioned earlier to the other caller, if people would like to consult with Dr. Pete, they can consult with either Andrew or myself, and we will consult with Dr. Pete on their behalf. Our toll-free number is 888 926 4372, and that translates as 1-888-WBM for Western Botanical Medicine, HERB, H-E-R-B. So once again, Dr. Pete, thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing your wisdom uh, with those people who've tuned in today. Uh, Very much so uh, to those of you who have ears, let them hear. Uh, I'm always very happy when the uh, traditional dogma is overturned uh, by the truth 
And the truth is out there. Um, there's plenty of information, so uh, just don't stop searching. If you get an inclination, just follow it, and you know what? You might just get some very good results from it. So, um, until the same time on the third Friday next month, Sarah? Thank you, Dr. Pete, for okay. giving um, a lot of clients and patients hope that with proper nutrition and um, some supplements and a good diet, they can they can really overcome and yeah. become much more healthy. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning of the show, the reason that we invited you on as much as anything else of your wisdom and your experience is because we've actually seen the difference ourselves. So, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Have a good Thank night. you very much for joining us. Good night.